everybody, and welcome to a brand new Power Half Hour. My name is Greg Mahochko, and I'm based in the Midwest. And the co-host on the West Coast, well, he's Mr. Chad Smart. Chad, a brand new week. How are you, sir? Well, I'm doing well. Well, I mean, you know, we've been stuck in quarantine for the last 18 months, so, you know, all my days are basically the same. So I think... You can just take my opening from the last five shows and and re- replay them, and, and and they'll be the same. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, if, wouldn't it just be tremendous if, like, right now, I spliced in your responses one after another from the last five shows just to see if they were, in fact, the same? Wouldn't <laughs> that be tremendous post-production on my part? It would, and since we're recording this like three hours before this goes live, I don't think you will probably do that, but you might have that on standby for next week's episode. Full disclosure, Chad, we're recording this six hours before it goes live. Because <laughs> I, I, well, see, I'm, I'm in California, so time difference is different. I'm pretty sure six hours. I don't is actually still know how that works. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but. <laughs> Well, I know uh, as the uh, mastermind behind Jittery Monkey Podcast Network, and I don't say that, you know, to brag or to, you know, puff my own chest out or anything like that, but I I do final, you know, editing or final, you know, detail work, things like that on all the shows that, that uh, get published, and, and that includes uh, Kevin Huntsberger. He sends me, you know, my one, two, three cents, the podcast each week, and and he does all of the typey type, and uh, I, you know, just insert the file where it needs to be and verify everything looks as it needs to. But he uh, will set his to his episodes to drop directly at midnight. I, however, put mine at three a.m. It doesn't matter. There's nobody, you know, that's. I, look, I've not gotten any complaints about like why, where was my Nerds United or where was my Power Half Hour at twelve oh five. I've not gotten any of those. I'm just saying, for whatever reason, the middle of the night seems more natural to me. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's because there have been times where I haven't finished producing a podcast until one in the morning because I'll be sitting on my couch working on it and I'll fall asleep typing it, and then I'll wake up and be like, oh shit. Type, 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 type. All right. Well, this is being the abridged version. Upload. I'm out. I'm going back to bed. Well, I'll give you and Kevin credit for at least during these times of uncertainty. You guys have been pretty consistent with your shows uh, over at the Positive Cynicism Podcasting Network, which I operate. We basically fly by the whims of when I decide I want to record or or what's going on. I think. Uh, going forward, I'm going back to the once a month format for every show on the network, just because it's it's a lot easier to do one show a week than try to do multiple shows. Plus, we have this show. I, I have this show with you. I've got the Out of Touchstone podcast with my Wonder Why co-host Mike DeCal, which I think we've done three shows of that, three recordings of that in the last week. Trying to get ahead, so. It's still a busy time, but yeah, I will give you guys credit and I want to bring up my one, two, three cents real quick because you, I think you, you did it and I think Kevin does it as well. He'll call it my one, two, three cents, the podcast. And it just makes me think of Spaceballs where, you know, Spaceballs, the merchandising. Yeah. I think we need to do that with my one, two, three cents, <laughs> where it's my one, two, three cents, 
the T-shirt, my one, two, three cents, the Broadway show, my one, two, three cents, the flamethrower. Let's, let's get that out there. Well, there is a my one, two, three cents, the T-shirt, and you can get it uh, over at Pro Wrestling Tees. Uh, dot com and just search for my one two three cents and don't forget that Kevin is also an ambassador I believe that's the word at collar and elbow you can get all of those uh, codes and links and everything over jitterymonkey.com dot uh, com on the latest my one two three cents the podcast episode or of course you can go straight to the horse's mouth and that's not a reference for Kevin but you can just go straight to my one two three cents dot com have we done all of, our, all of our cheap plugs and even our expensive plugs can we get into this week's topic Chad. I think so. I was just going to say, you said, you know, go to the horse's mouth or get it straight from the horse's mouth. I was going to say, you know, you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him think. I see. I, this is going to be bad, but this I think ties into this week's episode because it is a character of the eighties or, or a, a figure of the eighties, uh, which is where we're going to talk a lot about, uh, uh creation of the eighties. But, uh, as, as far as horses go, um, uh, that uh, uh, I forgot her name, Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Didn't she have? I, like, I'm wondering where you're going with this. So. She she has some horse like feet. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> so uh, MTV, uh, Chad, and this week we're talking about uh, when we realized that MTV wasn't for us anymore. But I want to start by talking about the terrific series that you and uh, your co-host of Popology 101, Travis Yates, uh, when you started up the official rebranding of Popology 101 at PositiveCynicism.com. I think we're just going to have to call this episode the uh, mm-hmm. We're Hawking Everybody Else's Shit episode. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, you did a terrific you, – you both did a terrific series on the history of MTV from its very – uh, earliest beginnings. Chad, if you don't mind, uh, can you give us the uh, history of MTV for Dummies version of, of you know, what people – and I, I, I say this encouraging people to go back to uh, PositiveCynicism.com and uh, find it on your favorite podcast app and go back and listen to those episodes because they really are informative. But Chad, what is the – like the abridged version of – of the MTV story. Well, the real quick, and, and I'll give credit to Travis because he did a lot of the heavy lifting for the formation of MTV for the casual viewer. Basically all you need to know is late seventies cable television was coming to be more popular. Some person whose name I don't recall had an idea to feature a channel that was basically a video jukebox uh, whereas instead of you know, listening to the radio when you were at home, you could watch music videos. And so August 1st, 1981, MTV was launched in New Jersey. And I believe it was only in New Jersey for the first few months. Uh, even the, the people working for MTV that were based out of New York City had to go across the New Jersey Turnpike, New Jersey Tunnel, whatever it is out there, and, and go to a bar to watch the premiere of MTV. And, you know, it probably took a couple of years uh, to really get going because, as I mentioned, it started out in New Jersey and then just kind of hit pockets in various locations. I know Tulsa, Oklahoma was one of the early places and people, record stores there started seeing bands that weren't popular on the radio but had videos on MTV. Those albums started selling better. And then finally the record labels caught on. 
MTV eventually, you know, spread out across the country, became a huge pop culture uh, influencer, and is still going in at least in terms of its call letters today. But the MTV that's out there now is a far cry from the MTV that I grew up with, and I'm guessing different than what you grew up with, though probably not as to the extreme. I rock a mic like a vandal, light up the stage, and watch it jump like a candle. Wax it jump like a candle. Yeah, that's Vanilla Ice, who was very popular on MTV in 1991. Ice, ice, baby, Duke. Did you know that uh, that uh, hook was actually sam- he was actually sampling uh, a song by Queen and David Bowie known as Under Pressure? Yeah, I think you have your facts wrong. They stole that hook from Vanilla. Oh, pretty sure. That's that's pretty what sure I get. For, the originator. That's what I get for reading the internet. <laughs> uh, yeah. So my MTV, my my honestly, I'm not, I we've established there's about I think an eight year age difference between you and my you and I. Uh, I my sister is uh she. She's not listening, so she's not going to know that I'm about to out her age. But she just turned 40 uh, in March. Um, and like most siblings, you know, she, she was a senior in high school and I was a freshman. Like most siblings, we kind of were at odds most of our teenage years. Uh, and largely, a, a lot of our arguments, and I don't know if this is, uh, you know, common um, in, you know, you, I don't think, no about this, but, but like our, our uh, uh, arguments oftentimes centered around who had control of the TV remote. And oh, I thought you were going to argue over who was your favorite new kid. New kid what? On the block? Come on. I don't know what new that is. What? What are you talking about? Okay, who's your favorite member of NSYNC? What's NSYNC? And right now, Dirty Dishes. But don't punch. <laughs> beautiful thank you chad um but anyway my my first memories of of mtv were like stuff my sister when she had the remote it was uh it it was stuff that she would watch and i don't remember the exact years because i don't remember the exact years that they were um you know on tv but uh like my so-called life i feel like that was something that was on tv that i had you know to suffer through and endure as an adolescent, uh, something that would have been my sister's demographic. Um, yeah, I believe that was 94, 95. Okay. And, and you're right. Cause I actually looked it up as I was saying it. Um, Claire Danes, I guess her introduction, uh, to American audiences, cause I think she's Canadian. I don't know. She might not be, it doesn't matter. Uh, but you know, in, at the time my sister was, you know, fifteen, sixteen. So I feel like that was right up her alley, but it wasn't necessarily mine. Like I wanted to come home from school, watch cartoons, uh, watch you know X Men, uh, you know, boy stuff. You know, Ninja Turtles. It might have been a little old for Ninja Turtles at that point, but certainly X Men, Batman the Animated Series, things like that. I, but I remember that show being on on the TV, and I remember a few years later. Uh, actually sitting in school 
you'll appreciate this. Sitting in high school, sophomore year, uh, study hall, right before lunch, and the study hall, what is he? He's not a teacher because he's not teaching anything, but he's the overseer, I guess. Uh, he was also the school librarian, and he said, I got to go do some stuff in the library so you could stay here and be good. And one of the seniors got up, turned on the TV. You know, they used to have like the TV. Do you, did you remember Channel One News? Did they have that? Back in your day, uh, I know what it. I know what it is, but no, we never had it in my school. All right, so we had Channel One News, but apparently on uh, the, we had other stations as well, including HBO. So I remember sitting there at like eleven thirty in the morning before lunch, and Beavis and Butthead Do America was on TV, and so we're watching that instead of doing homework or reading or you know we're watching this movie. But so like I knew about Beavis and Butthead, I knew about Headbangers Ball. But that's really like I didn't have a ton of awareness of certainly of the cultural impact of MTV. So when did you first when was Chad all in on MTV? I remember our cable company got MTV. It's either 84 or 85. I can't remember. I want to probably say 85 because they were having a Bruce Springsteen weekend, MTV, not the cable company. MTV was doing a Bruce Springsteen weekend, Born in the USA album was out, and I think he was on his third or fourth single by that time. So I remember, um, you know, Dancing in the Dark had already blown up. That's the famous video with Courtney Cox joining him on stage, which uh, was referenced in an episode of Cougar Town that I watched recently, which was quite amusing. Um, I think the song is called Light My Fire. I, I don't really know Bruce Springsteen that well, um, but I believe that was the video where he was playing a mechanic, and that got heavy rotation the weekend that I first got MTV. So, yeah, 80, around 84, 85, somewhere in there is uh, when I first discovered and got hooked on MTV. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Dancing in the Dark. Would it, I, I just Google Bruce Springsteen, Courtney Cox, and Dancing. Are you familiar with this video? Do you? No. Am I blowing your mind right now? You're kind of blowing my mind. The, my my first oh. uh, uh, Courtney Cox memory was Masters of the Universe, as I'm sure it was most anybody. No. Say that again. I said I say my first Courtney Cox memory was Masters of the Universe, as uh, I'm sure it was anybody. The movie, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was uh, thrown back because I was thinking Misfits of Science and her guest appearance on Family Ties. Uh, and I completely don't know how I missed the fact that Masters of the Universe had a movie. I was only thinking cartoon show. But yeah, she was in The Awesome, produced by the Canon Corporation, which gave us the classic films Breaking break into the Apple. So, <laughs> oh. fine lineage there. So, um, what I'm going to we're going to get to the to the root of this eventually but when did you become I don't know what what the you know an MTV head an MTV you know fan a a you know cuz I remember listening to you and Travis talk you know Travis made it seem like every day you're coming from home from school and whatever is on MTV is you know that's appointment television oh yeah no it, it was I mean, I, like I said, I would have been around 10, 11 years old when I first got 
when we first had MTV on the cable channel, it was probably, you know, by, by 86, I can definitely say that I was watching MTV because that's when I remember coming home after school. I had a paper route um, that was after school, so I had to come home, roll all the papers, get them ready. So while I'm doing that, I turn on MTV. Whoa, 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 time out. Young Chad Smart was rolling papers? Yes, I was. You know, I've been working since I was 12. Back in my day, I had to walk uphill both ways to deliver those papers. I believe it, because you had to walk yeah. uphill and then down the hill and then walk uphill. Yeah. No, that's actually total. true. Yeah. All right, Carrie, I, I was, I was yeah. trying to be, I was trying to make a joke. I apologize. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, that's, I remember in 86, that's when I discovered Alice Cooper, because they were, MTV was showing the video for He's Back, The Man Behind the Mask, the... Um, I think unofficial theme song to Friday the 13th part six and being a huge Friday the 13th fan at the time. I'm like, this is the greatest song ever. And then a few weeks later, I got the uh, invitation in the mail to join the Columbia house cassette club, uh, which I don't know if you went along with that, but uh, that was a rite of passage as well for kids in the eighties and early nineties. And I got the Alice Cooper album and uh, yeah, from there, like I said, Headbangers Ball, I mean, I was huge into the heavy metal scene. And I was telling you before we started recording, I'm currently reading a book called The Rise, Fall, and Rebirth of Hair Metal. And it's bringing back a lot of good memories of albums that I've not listened to in like 25 years. But Headbangers Ball, every Saturday night was appointment television. Uh, Remote Control, the first game show, um, was appointment television every night. And yeah, you if you're, you know, if there wasn't anything else on TV that you were watching, you flip it over to MTV, and, and like I said, I can still remember the day uh, they premiered Prince's Raspberry Beret video, and Martha Quinn and a bunch of people just sitting around watching that video, so those were good times. As, and, and we can, you know, I don't know how, how deep we want to get into the woods here about, mm. um, well, that's weird. Uh, I don't know how, like I said, I don't know how crazy we want to get into as far as the, like for 15 years now, I've been making the joke that MTV should change their name because they don't play any music anymore. Um, I've been making that joke for 25 years. Hold on, let me carry the one. That's 1995, Chad. They were playing music yeah. in the late 90s. I know this for a fact. Well, so here's, you know, we want to get into the actual topic of the show with the last 30 seconds left. We've got a little bit more time. <laughs> but you said, you know, the topic was when did you stop watching MTV? So going off my being a, a metalhead, if you will, a hair metalhead, um, when I got into college, you know, you mentioned the series, the one on Popology 101 that Travis and I did. If you go back into the Jittery Monkey archives, the back in the positive cynicism archives, Mike DeKalb and I did a series, a three-part series looking at the year 1991 in music, which is probably the most important year in music in my lifetime. Can I, and can that's I, when can I Metals- summarize? Sure. I mean, this is your story and I'm summarizing your story, but I, I remember it. And I remember the town that I was delivering water in when I was listening to some of those uh, episodes, uh, Lebanon, Illinois, sidebar. Um, but you looked at 1991 from three musical aspects, uh, hair metal, hip hop or rap and country music. 
Yes, and and also grunge, a little bit. Well, uh, yeah, that too. Was it three or four episodes? I can't remember now. It was three episodes, but I think the third episode was country and grunge kind of mixed in because grunge that was the 1991 was the year that Nevermind, uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, and Ten all came out. But 92 was the year they really blew up. So, hair metal, rap, hip hop, and gruntry episode. Yes, gruntry. Cool. Can't wait for it. Can't wait for that one in the uh, Grammys. <laughs> new new gruntry artist. Um, yeah. So anyway, carry on. 1991. Uh, so I was just going to say that I, even though I had the aforementioned Nevermind and Nirvana, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, and Pearl Jam's 10 album, I did not take the grunge movement too well. I wanted my hair metal, and I was very upset with the direction that uh, the music took. And so I was in college at this time and working for a student TV station producing a hair metal video show and a country show. And I completely, like, I think I stopped watching MTV from like 93 through probably 98. There's a lot of that music that I know because it's pop culturally relevant, but I don't know. I don't know that era of music as well as everything before and after it up until like 2001. Yeah. I mean, and do you fall into the um, theory or, or do you fall in line with the theory that what is it? The, the music that you experience or discover at, I don't know if it's 12 or 14 or whatever is like the music that will define you for the rest of your life. I mean, maybe that's not the exact words of, of uh, but like that's going to, that's going to be the stuff that you categorize as your favorite music for the rest of your life. Do you, do you agree with that? I, I do to a certain extent. Yes. Because I remember having a conversation in 1998. Um, I, I left college for a year and then moved back back home. And then after a year, moved back down to Southern Illinois and I still had friends in college at this time. And I ended up giving a girl who lived uh, relatively close to me, to my hometown, a ride home for Thanksgiving. And she was a freshman in college. And this was still back when I had the portable CD player in the car with the CD wallet of everything. And I was like, okay, you get to play DJ. <laughs> you know, and she pulled out, um, never mind. And I still remember because that was the last time until Mike and I did the series on 1991. That was the last time that I listened to the Nevermind album. And she was talking about, like, she was a huge um, Silverchair fan, and I can't remember the other bands. But I'm like, I was talking to her, and I'm like, you know, you like, the, this music resonates with you because it's the music that you were listening, that was popular, that you were listening to when you had, you know, your high school prom, your first, you know, dates, everything that you had, tied to a memory that's the power of music and so i think if, if you're someone who one has a memory i guess but who can associate music with memories yes you're always going to come back to those things that that remind you of that time i this is uh unrelated to our topic but briefly uh, to to that point i remember vividly Listening to this was before St. Louis had 1057 The Point. Um, and I believe it was just Alice at 104.1 on 
on the dial, but it was essentially like the point before the point was the point. And, um, that's the point really. No, uh, but I remember laying in bed and listening to, uh, Oasis's Champagne Supernova. And I don't know why 24, 25 years later, uh, that memory stays with me. But yeah, I remember being a kid and, and for whatever reason, just laying in bed, listening to that song on the radio. And, you know, I think for all the reasons you just mentioned that particular song and, you know, Oasis has a few other songs and, but music of that, of that period still does resonate with me, uh, for, for a lot of reasons. But as we get to our final minutes of this, we're finally going to get to the heart of it. We, we had to lay a lot of groundwork. Uh, Chad, when did MTV stop being fun for you? So other than the time in college when I right. stopped watching because my musical taste didn't go. And I actually went more country that way because, again, producing a country music video show and country music at that time was starting to take over what um, had been. Like they, they'd become more hair metalish, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And now you have bands like Bon Jovi who have had country hits. Uh, Def Leppard has gone on to be, you know, kind of country. And Ben did a crossroad series on CMT. Uh so you had that, but then once I got back into Southern Illinois with being around my friends in college, you know, 98, 99 to 2000, I got back into MTV because that's actually when MTV brought back TRL. The boy bands were there. Like I said, you know, I, you know, you can listen to the Popology series on Guilty Pleasures. I love me a good pop song and I, you know, I will not say anything bad about Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, NSYNC. Uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, even Kid Rock, and, and at the time Limp Biscuit, uh, I got into. But then I think by 2002, when the music was all R&B, rap, or nothing but reality shows and game shows, that's when I tuned out of MTV. When MTV stopped focusing really on the music. All right, I'm going to uh, shock and awe you, Chad. Mm-hmm. I never got into MTV. I never, you know, cultural importance, it, it resonates with a lot of people. I was just never one of those people. I was, as I mean, even, even throughout, like, if I wasn't working after school or going to ball practice, if I was just coming home, like, I was grabbing a snack, kicking my feet up, doing my homework in my lap, and watching you know, TV, but it wasn't ever MTV. Like that was never a destination for me to try to find with the remote. And and at one point I did it. Or I, I think at one point I did it just because I wanted to be against the grain of everybody. Like, you know, I was like, did you watch TRL or did you watch, you know, this or that? And I'm just like, no. Nah. Like, so I, I, in a, a lot of ways, without knowing Chad Smart yet, I pulled a little Chad Smart contrarian uh, out of the hat, and uh, uh, you know, I just it, it just never there was never any reason for me to ever just you know turn on Channel Twenty Seven, which is what it was out of uh, you know the St. Louis market, and, and turn on MTV. It just yeah, there was nothing to it that appealed to me, uh, largely because it. 
if I wanted to listen to the music, I could listen to the music. You know, I had the CDs or the radio, and I didn't have all the um, all the fake, you know, uh, sincerity and all that other. Like, you know, even the people on TRL, they were just there to cash a check and sell some records, and 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 all the reality shows. It's just eh. MTV never appealed to me, and this. M. Night Shyamalan twist for this episode is why I chose this topic, why why I wanted to talk about this, because we set all the, we, we laid the groundwork, and I got to be like, eh, MTV is kind of crap. Well, again, I think it's because of the age difference. For me, growing up, MTV, again, it was something new, it was fresh, and it was... Uh, I, I I can say it the best way is when you probably got into your teenage years when, when MTV would have been popular, you know, to contrast with when I got into it, MTV had become a business, you know, more, more or less. It was less about breaking artists and giving you music and more about the labels buying airtime and becoming just a promotion of whatever was popular at the time. So we have 10 seconds left. What are your final words on MTV? Well, I think that sums it up today. But uh, again, I am still waiting on that Teen Wolf, Teen Mom crossover, Teen Wolf Mom. Someday we'll get it. Greg, we're out of time. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.